If you'll open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. As you can see, hopefully you grabbed an outline on your way in. Our text for this morning is only the first eight verses of this first proverb. But these first eight verses contain in them a tremendous wealth of wisdom, which is appropriate because Proverbs is probably the primary book of wisdom literature that people think of in the Bible. It's probably the one that people are most familiar with. There's many different uh, folks who love to read a proverb a day, each day of the month. I've been to many graduations in my life because when you think about Proverbs, Proverbs uh, chapter 3 contains one of the most quoted uh, graduation verses or uh, there's many different sources of wisdom throughout the book of Proverbs. Uh, And I've been to many graduations in my life. Three of them were my own and several others. I've, I've participated in baccalaureate services, attended NHS ceremonies, nurse pinning ceremonies, all the other special ceremonies that go along with or associated with graduation, right? And one thing that continually strikes me as odd and frustrating and disappointing when it comes to the pursuit of education and knowledge and and the growth in such things is the consistent attitude of graduates concerning this. I'm done right? That's, that's one thing that you'll see and you'll hear. You'll hear that type of mindset repeatedly as if I, I've reached the mountaintop, I've conquered this peak, discovered this land, and now I never have to do that again. Now, you might be asking yourself, what's the problem with that? And maybe you thought like that once you graduated school or finished some sort of uh, education or class of some sort, right? Why might that cause frustration? Why might that attitude not be okay? Because one of the things that we're going to see this morning, one of the things that wisdom enlightens us to is that we never stop learning. The minute your learning becomes stagnant is the minute that you hamper yourself. And it's much easier to establish and to confine yourself within your own little kingdom when you stop learning, specifically when you stop learning in terms of viewing everything through the lens of God's word. I've adopted a saying quite some time ago, and I don't remember where I adopted it from or who I adopted it from or I would give credit, but always a student is that saying. It's, it's a problem when we take that I'm done attitude and apply it to any worldly pursuit of knowledge. And that problem is exacerbated when we apply that mindset to our knowledge and understanding of God and his word. And that's why I want us to see in one of, again, our predominant texts of wisdom that I also, uh, what I want us to see is that when we seek that mindset of stopping to learn, stop, stopping our learning and our, our growth when it comes to our understanding of God and his created order and, and how he has structured his world and how he's called us to live within that world, that that is a 
incredibly dark and destructive path to walk down. And I also want us to see and know and believe that what's equally important is not just what we know, but how we apply that knowledge. So I'll invite you to stand once again in honor of the reading of God's word as we read our text for this morning, coming from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is the word of God. God. Let's pray, church. God, as we come before your word, the source of knowledge and wisdom, which helps to rightly guide and shape and direct uh, the rest of the knowledge uh, that we can gain in this life, I pray and we, we come before you as the creator of all knowledge and wisdom, seeking to be edified by your word. That we would not simply be a people who gain knowledge or, or hoard knowledge simply to puff ourselves up. Also that we would not be a people who simply gain a small amount of knowledge and then think that we cease to need any more. But God, that we would be a people who continually grow in our knowledge and understanding And that you would grant us the wisdom on how to rightly apply that knowledge in worship of you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, church. So last week, and I think having a greater understanding, and at least this has been the case for me, just a a thorough knowledge and understanding of the life of Solomon gives us, I feel like, an even... um, more contextualized understanding of the book of Proverbs as the overwhelming majority of it is sourced from Solomon. And last week we read of Solomon's rise and fall, right? We saw how he, the Lord came to him and asked him, ask me what you want. He had an open-ended question and his desire, his his question was, his, his response rather, was not that he desired a a strong army, that he wanted to be a better leader, but rather that he would have a greater wisdom that he may better lead the people in worship of God. Out of respect for what his father David had done and out of respect for his continuing in the Davidic covenant as as the initial fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. And one particular thing that we read after Solomon asked the Lord for this was this from 1 Kings chapter 4. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. So we know right away and we see at the beginning of this 
uh, at the beginning of this book, and the, our first verse there, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So there's no need for us to question the context, no need for us to question the author. We know Solomon's hand, and we know from whom that wisdom came from, which was from the Lord. And so what we need to ask ourselves is, in the application of this and understanding of this, what does this, how does this enlighten and continue to uh, grow our understanding of the world and our worship of God. So jumping right back into there to verse 2. So we see to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So the opening salvo of this book explains the purpose and the application of all that it contains. In fact, it's widely considered that this opening uh, few verses were intended to be the introduction to the book as a whole, not even just the first proverb. And so that actually gives us better understanding, not only that once we read these first opening verses that we understand what the first proverb is about, but what all of Proverbs and all of wisdom is intended to do for the people of God. And in knowing that Solomon's desire for wisdom was to better lead the people, we also have better insight as to his reason for writing out these words of wisdom, was to better edify and grow and for the people of God to hear and know and better apply the knowledge and understanding of the world. So we see here in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So one of the first thing wisdom teaches us is humility. It points to an undeniable reality that there is an understanding and application outside of ourselves which provides us with a much better path if we sought to go about life than if we sought to go about life on our own understanding and capacity. And so the very first verse after the title of the book itself or the title of the proverb is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand it, to be able to have some grasp of it and to understand words of insight. The next thing that we see is in verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. So the wisdom is not just for theoretical, philosophical, or, or big existential ideas, but rather it's also for the purpose of helping us in our everyday dealings. It's practical. So it's, it's for us to be able to grow and have a better grasp of wisdom, and it's, it's for us to be able to not just be able to have, think lofty thoughts and, and have big conversations with a big word salad of vocabulary words that strung together don't really make any sense, right? But it's for us to be able to practically apply it in our everyday dealings. Not only that, but it informs how to apply said knowledge and wisdom in a moral way. Right? To receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. So it gives us a, a moral 
understanding of our knowledge and our understanding of the world. It gives greater understanding of God's created order and purpose. And so who does this wisdom apply to? Who's it for? Well, the next verse tells us to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So wisdom is for growth and maturation and applying knowledge of God's created order. That's how you can summarize what we read there in a moral framework for our knowledge and understanding of the world. To know wisdom instruction, understand words of insight, right? To receive instruction in wise dealing, so it's for our everyday uh, application in righteousness, justice, and equity, and to do so in a way which is morally sound according to the truth that we learn through wisdom, and to give prudence to the simple. So it's for the simple-minded. Knowledge and discretion to the youth, so it's for the young. And before we continue, because it, uh, I hope you're not thinking uh, that it's just for that crew of just those two, right? Otherwise, you might be thinking, well, I've been growing in wisdom. Does that mean I'm simple or young? Which one, right? So uh, the first point that you see on your outline there, it's the first thing that I want us to understand as we continue to move into our breakdown of these uh, short few verses this morning, is that the primary focus of wisdom is God. Wisdom is not primarily for us, but for us to better understand the workings of the world around us, the way in which God has created and structured and providentially ordered his world, that we might be able to greater praise him. Our primary aim in growing in wisdom and knowledge is not to build ourselves up. It's not to gain just a greater uh, vocabulary so that we can place ourselves above others in some categorized way or even simply to have a greater advantage in life. The aim of wisdom is to increase the worship of God. This was Solomon's goal in wanting to gain wisdom. God gives him an, an open-ended question. Ask of me what you will. And Solomon's request was for a greater understanding so that he might greater guide God's people in the worship and admiration of him. Wisdom continually forces us to look outside of ourselves for greater understanding of ourselves and the world around us. So here's what I want to challenge us with in that. As you've grown in knowledge and understanding, has it been in a way that increases your worship of God? Or has it been in a way that puffs up, that causes pride to abound, or that maybe causes disdain for those whom you consider lesser? But again, surely it's not just for the young and the simple, right? We continue reading there, verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So not only is wisdom for the purpose of benefiting those who are simple and young, but also for those who already consider themselves wise. Which of course means what? 
Wisdom can never be fully grasped by the human mind. It's not something that we can arrive at and conquer. It's not a, a book that we can read and say, we know it all now. We have a great grasp of God's greater world and how he has structured and ordained it so that we might greater uh, worship him. It's something that we continually grow in. It's for the simple and the wise, the young and the old. So there's a, there's a reason why it's important for us to have uh, a Sunday school class which contains older, more wiser Right? I guess we can, it's a better way to put it. Those who are more wise and Sunday school classes with those who are younger and continue to learn. Why? Because we all need to grow in our knowledge and understanding of God's word, how we can view our world in light of the truths that lie there, and then how we can greater worship God because of those things from a greater understanding of that. And that's the next point there on your outline is that the need for wisdom is constant. There is no point in which we can reach in which we can say, I don't need more. There's no point in which we can receive our degree in wisdom and say, I've learned it all. One can never stop growing in wisdom. Because wisdom illuminates God's created order. It illuminates nature and God's goodness. We are in constant need of this reminder. We're in constant need that he is the one who has created and ordained things, not us. We're in constant need of reminding that he is good and has ordained such for his good purposes. Each of us have denied the goodness of God with our lives. And that is why we are constant need of wisdom. Because every time that our flesh wins the battle, we deny God's goodness once again. And you might say, not me. I don't, I, I don't deny God's goodness. We have all been born into this life denying the goodness of God. And we all continue to battle our flesh that wants to continually deny God's goodness, that wants for us to continue under our strength, that wants to go our direction, our way, that wants to say that I need to hustle and try harder and do better and learn more rather than submitting to that which God has ordained. Each of us have denied the goodness of God with our lives. We say God's not good when we trust our ways over his ways. We say God's not good when we look at the bank account and say, there's just no way. I need to do something. I need to do X, Y, Z. Now, is it wise to try to make a plan if you see the bank account not necessarily adding up the way it needs to be? Absolutely. But are you doing so in a way in which increases the worship of God and strengthens your dependence upon God? Or do you simply say, well, what? What faculties do I have? What, how can I rely on my own knowledge, my own understanding? And so this is a, another thing that wisdom does is it, it helps us realize that there is no interactions, there are no interactions, there is no things in this life that do not pertain to our worship of God. And continue reading verse 7. Underlines the entire theme of all of wisdom. 
verse 7. So we now know kind of what wisdom is, what this book and wisdom is for. We know who it's for. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, we look at this verse and we say, pretty straightforward, right? So the fear of the Lord, what does that mean? We addressed that a couple of weeks ago and last week, right? To, to fear the Lord is not to be afraid of God, but rather to, now that you have an understanding of who he is and he has drawn you to himself, is to say that I fear life apart from God. It's to realize his goodness, to know it, to have experienced it, and then to say, I don't want to live life apart from this. It's to tremble before him safely. It's to know his goodness, know how much we have offended his goodness, know how much we have denied his goodness, and to continually say, I am before you completely unworthy. That is what it means to fear the Lord. And what does Solomon say? That's the beginning of knowledge. So if you don't start there, everything else is based off false pretenses. Because it's possible. We, we watch the news. We can read books. We can see all throughout our culture all the men and women who are praised for their wealth of knowledge. But all of it for what? To build up their own resume. To Some of them, they do great things with that knowledge. But all of it is based off false pretenses if it doesn't begin with the fear of the Lord. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This word for fools, please don't think that, because this is one of those verses that people love to quote, right? And love to, to think like it's getting one over on the atheists, right? Ha, those foolish atheists, right? And we think we're the wise ones. So this is one of those verses that we like to quote and not necessarily like, yes, give the credit to the Lord, but also like, ha, I'm the wise one in this verse, right? The problem is, as I was already outlined for us, we have all denied the goodness of God. Therefore, we are all fools. So before you quote this verse and think that you're placing yourself as the wise, we must all realize first that we are fools and it is the Lord who has provided us by his grace the wisdom to see his created order and to worship him rightly in it. The next point there in your outline is, of course, before we can rightly know anything, we must rightly know God. We can have a wealth of knowledge. People can come to us for answers. People can want to know what we think on different things. But if we don't rightly know God, then really we don't know anything. It's possible to fill our heads with all the knowledge in the world, yet still remain dumb. What we need to know is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Because throughout Proverbs, as we've begun reading Proverbs today in our reading plan, 
Because throughout Proverbs, we see that wisdom and knowledge run parallel with each other. As in they, they work in conjunction. They're hand in hand together. But there is a distinguishment between the two. So how do we distinguish that? Well, see, wisdom is the right application of knowledge of God. So wisdom is not simply that you know a lot, but that you know and apply that knowledge in worship of God. Knowledge alone puffs up. Knowledge alone allows man to continually despise God. Knowledge alone builds empires. But knowledge doesn't provide us righteousness, justice, and equity. Knowledge alone builds hospitals. But knowledge alone doesn't give us the foundation and understanding of God as the creator of all things. Knowledge alone builds infrastructure, tremendous structures. But you can look to ancient Greece and see the architecture, all built in worship of false gods. You can look all over the world and see tremendous knowledge and a wealth of understanding and all of it completely useless. But see, in God's grace, he allows us to see those things, to see the knowledge and understanding of people who don't even know him. We can see that God has created such tremendous minds. And we can say, they don't know it, but God gave them that ability. See, God in his grace allows us and uses even the unbelieving knowledge of the world and culture to glorify himself in our hearts. Knowledge alone can build empires, hospitals, and infrastructure, but knowledge without wisdom ultimately always leads back to serving the interests of man. So to fear the Lord is just the very first step in gaining knowledge. To fear the Lord is to tremble before him safely. And again, I want to reemphasize that part on who the fools are. We see that word fools, we apply it to others. We think, I love God, therefore I'm the wise one. And all those unbelievers, they're the fools. And here's why I want you to see that's the wrong way to read and apply this verse. And I've already stated this point many times, but uh, it's the next point there on your outline. All of us have foolishly despised the goodness of God. We have outright denied his goodness. In our sinfulness, all humanity has looked at God knowingly or unknowingly and said, you're a liar. You can't be good. I, I can't trust in that. I have to do things this way. And this is, again, where the faithful Christian may be tempted to join the pearl-clutching Pharisee and say, not me. 
But again, I'll ask you, where do you turn when presented with difficulties? Where's the first place you go? To panic, frustration, doubt, despair? To whom do you go to sort out problems? Wisdom allows us to not only have the knowledge, but to apply that knowledge in worship of God. When we seek relief, joy, answers, really anything outside of God, when we seek anything outside of God, we say with our actions, God's not good. Wisdom helps us to deny that, humble ourselves and submit and say that there is an understanding of things outside of myself that I must submit to. Where do we go to rid ourselves of foolishness and grow in our application of the knowledge of God? Well, God, in his wisdom, has given us a primary place to go. Of course, we go to his word. We go to him. But where do we learn that? Where, how is he structured for us to grow in knowledge and wisdom? What has he done to help us? Verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. The next and final point there on your outline is that the home is the primary institution of knowledge and wisdom. And see, this is what wisdom helps us to understand. Because knowledge by itself in the heart of a teenager, we were all there once, says that I got to get out of here. Wisdom says this is where I need to be. Knowledge by itself, mom and dad say, somebody else has to teach my kids this. Wisdom says, the Lord has placed me here to be the one who teaches my kids. And this is what God's word helps us to clarify and see, is that as we look out into the world and we see the created order, and we can acknowledge that God has structured the world in a way, wisdom says it's not just structured because uh, you can watch many different cultural podcasts that say they'll, they'll be right there. They'll see that the world is, that they'll want to acknowledge divine creation, right? They'll want to acknowledge the existence, but it always strays into the universe has ordered itself. They'll be right there. But the Lord has structured the world in such a way as to bring honor and glory to himself. Knowledge will lead us away from that understanding, knowledge alone. It'll lead us toward worship of ourselves, worship of the created over the creator. Wisdom helps us to clarify, to bring into focus. It's that lens that focuses all of knowledge and says it's all about him. And the primary place where God has ordained and structured that we learn these things and we know these things, the, the first place that we go to grow in these things 
is the home. And so the challenge here is for those who are still in the home as children to embrace that, to, to press into that, to, to grow in that, and to submit to God's design in that. The challenge for those who still care for their children, fathers and mothers, that's us. The challenge for us is, are we giving wise instruction? Are we giving wise teaching? For those who maybe the kids are out of the home now, the challenge here is to see that it, if there's a father and a mother, there's also a husband and a wife. So husbands, are we giving wise instruction? Wives, are we giving wise teaching and are we modeling God's design for the home even if our children are gone? Are we seeking to serve His church so that others can grow? Even if our children are gone, we can help others. Wisdom, again, helps us to see not only that God has structured everything in a way, but helps us to understand that He has structured in a way in which it all points us to Him. And so in order for us to grow in knowledge and wisdom, we must start with seeking to know Him. And that's Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. And that's what Solomon wants the community of faith to understand here. He wants them to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So it's for a practical application. It's for instruction in wise dealing, in a moral standard, righteousness, justice, and equity. It's for those who are simple and young and those who are wise to hear and to learn and the one who understands to obtain guidance. To be able to understand a proverb is saying, why? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Lord. And you, as you've heard all of this wisdom, you've realized I've just simply been filling my head with knowledge rather than doing so in a way in which I am worshiping the giver of that knowledge. My prayer for you is that you would submit to the Lord's drawing you this morning. Repent of your sins and believe in the work of Christ on the cross. But maybe you're here this morning and you say, uh, I'm the wise one. I'm, I'm the one who needs to increase in learning. I've known the Lord for a while. My prayer for you is that you would go back to the basics. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Acknowledge your own foolishness and submit to the fear of the Lord. Let's pray, church. God, we love you. I pray now that as we have read of the truth and distinguishing between wisdom and knowledge. That you would give us the necessary wisdom as your church to rightly apply 
the knowledge that you have created us with the ability to grow in. That we would look at the world that you have made, desire to continually grow in our knowledge of it, but also that you would grant us the grace to grow in wisdom so that that knowledge would produce and result in a greater worship of you. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to respond as your word has pierced us. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.